Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boys from For Those With Good Taste. I'm Matt. He's Lenny. And thank you for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about this weekend's upcoming UFC 252 event. But before we jump into that, Lenny, we had some fights this weekend, didn't we? That we did, Matt. Yeah, we had Bellator and we had UFC events. Now, although both of us didn't really get to catch everything, uh, we can definitely highlight that huge win for Michael Chandler, kind of springboarding him to superstardom. And it'll be interesting to see where he's going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably want to start just by saying uh, this is one of those rare weekends where I might say that Bellator won the weekend, too, yeah. which you don't say happens very often in MMA. But uh, like I thoroughly enjoyed all of those fights. And maybe the difference is I watched that on DVR and I really just missed the UFC and went back and watched Weidman. But to say that he I mean, Chris Weidman to me was the most interesting thing on a UFC fight card this weekend. Yeah, so, c- coming off know, of five and, straight losses, and that's your your one highlight. Yeah, that's that's tough to come back and, from. And, and, you know, the fight wasn't, like, extremely exciting. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was, like, I, it was exciting because you just feel like with him, he's at that point in his career where he could just get finished at any second. Yeah, so you're just... kind of, like, waiting for the other shoe to drop, I guess, so to speak. And you're like, hey, like, where is this going to go? Maybe he pulls it off, though, and I think he's kind of a feel-good story now where you're like, I kind of want to see this guy overcome it a little bit. Yeah, he has that, that status where he's someone you want to get behind. You know, it's, it's the not, walkout song. Oh, it's always going to be the walkout song. I mean, down, you have dude. you have a, a nickname like the All-American. Yeah, you are. You, you're going to get dude. fans. Won't back down, dude. But I think with Chris Weidman, it's tough because you're just looking at a guy who, if he's not shooting for that takedown, you just don't feel safe for him. If he's in a stand-up fight with someone with decent hands, it's going to be tough for him to stay on his feet. The, the problem is, though, that it wasn't always like that. It, it, he used to be a good striker. So the, the thing is, like, what has gone wrong? He threw a wheel kick. That was ugly and embarrassing. <laughs> But you know what? Let's segue there real quick because I think he should get that one back because you saw Rockhold just came out and said he'd be interested in or he's not not that he'd be interested in Weidman, but he's coming back. The retirement was a was a faux retirement. It was not real. Right. Uh, That's I think the next fight. Book that. And it's, it's something we see. all want to see. They're both on the downside. They both lost it. Like one reason or another, like. They what was that UFC one uh, two oh nine? We could go back, yeah. Two, I don't know, whatever it was. Who cares? And see, now I need uh, to know. One ninety seven. Mm, was it one ninety seven? Yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, they're both on the downside. They've both gotten knocked out a few times. Um, UFC one ninety four. Damn, I was fucking close. Not far off. They've just both gone up and down, and by up and down, I mean mostly down with a couple small ups. Well, with Luke Rockhold, I blame the modeling career. I, I genuinely think that somewhere along the line, and, and I re- always revert back to that second Bisping fight, he felt untouchable. He felt like he was the hottest thing since sliced bread. And no matter how many times he dropped his hands, he wasn't going to be dealt with. And Michael Bisping, you know, if you want to talk about the, the downtrend for him, you know, if Chris Weidman doesn't throw that spinning kick, does he even win that fight? Probably wasn't. Probably not. I, it probably, it kind of proves like, you know, between him and Alan Juban, you you can't be pretty and be a fighter. Or say, like, a number one fighter. You can be, like, a good fighter, but you maybe can't be the fighter. You're going to come across some problems if fighting isn't your number one focus. And we've seen that with a bunch of different fighters, whether it's acting, whether it's a rap career, <clears throat> Tyron Woodley. Uh, there's a couple of different things where if you're not staying in your lane, so to speak, is there someone else out there that's probably more hungry than you are? I think Tyron Woodley did like a reality show in the past couple months, so he's fucking. But you can't knock him because he was winning fights in in any way, shape, or form. You really can't knock him for that. So that that's a great way for us to kind of segue into this weekend's fights, where we have hot prospect. I think we should hold on because we just did a very big disservice to Michael Chandler. Oh, that's right. Yeah, moving on too quickly. Hey, let's talk about Bellator, but. (laughs) Not talk about the guy who had like the biggest fight of the weekend, the best fight of the weekend, and that combination that he fucking threw was amazing. Yeah, you don't see Benson Henderson really get slept too often, and and he, that that was one of the cleanest shots that I've seen Benson get caught with, and he just goes he just goes down. Yeah, it's well. So the crazy thing is, is like he starts in what I think is orthodox stance and he throws 
this kick, but he, he lands the kick and it's nice. Like I think it hits hard, but he really just steps through and changes to, um, Southpaw. To, to Southpaw, yes. And, and throws a one, two. Like he, he, it was both like a beautiful, uh, body kick he threw, but it just disguised the one, two that was going to come immediately after it. And it was, Smooth transition, a flawless transition. It was a work of beauty because then he sneaks the right hand, and this is something I think you could only do in MMA. And like you're more of a boxing guy, so you can probably like speak to it a little bit more. But that's something you can only really do in MMA is like sneak a left hand through the way that he did. Oh yeah, I I think you see Benson is kind of rolling the shoulder. He is rolling the shoulder, and and he sneaks it right past the shoulder and just catches the button. Right, so yeah. he catches the chin, and it just you know what do you? He do shuts it off, and that doesn't even really knock him out. I think that just kind of paralyzes him. Well, you see, you see the legs go limp, and, and yeah. that's where he tucks and he's face down, ass up, up but against he, the cage. He goes to get back up for a second, and you see Chandler throws this bomb, this punch, on, and hits him, and it just hits him off the top of the head. But yeah. that's all it took because he was already on the precipice of like you know, blackness. Right. Uh, and he, he ends up getting hit with that in the last shot. And then, yeah, to your point, he looked like a cheap whore. Fucking <laughs> F- face down, ass up. And yeah. that's the way Michael Chandler likes to get down. Yep. Oh yeah. It was dirty, dirty. And uh-huh. it'll be interesting to see now because where does he go from here? That's the question. It's that's tough to really know. You know, he's been in Bellator for what seems like forever now. And he's fought the who's who he's, he's fought several times against people like Pitbull, where, you know, fights that maybe he should have won. He comes back and he avenges those losses. And now he beats Benden Henderson to kind of put him in a position where he can negotiate and he can find a place to uh, a new place to call home. But Willie, um, I, I could see him do both. I, like I see him being a Bellator guy through and through. And maybe he, like he has people he's lost to, like he's lost to the Pitbull brothers. So right. there are guys that he is competitive with there that he can probably tell himself like, they have some of the best competition. I don't know if that's true. I think probably more what it is is that 155 is the most consistently deep division in history. Right. It's a division that is just every year, whether it, like now it might not be the best. Like I'm not going to tell you it's the best because there are like 135, 145, and 170. Like that's the, all the sweet spot right there. Like right. in between those, those smaller weight classes, weight classes, you're able to blend knockout power skill and cardio which those three facets are essentially what's going to win you you know most most fights right and it, and it's a deep division when you look at 155 if you're the ufc and you sign michael chandler right now what's his first fight i saw a few i think felder is an interesting one uh because it, it yeah, kind of gives you a gauge as to what kind of competition bellator really does have because just because we see the the uh pitbull brothers fight and see how good they are. Are they just fighting not as good competition a majority of the time, so they really do well? Or is it just that they are that good? Because we assume guys like Douglas Lima are that good. I just don't know if I see that. And like like Chandler, I think of all of them, might be the most flawed. And he's just on a really, really he, hot run He probably right now. has the most open sh- like openness to his game where you can kind of figure he's him out. pretty aggressive. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's really good. But he is hittable and has proven that he can get knocked down. Not always knocked out. He's tough as fuck. And he's dealt with some injuries over the years, too. Yeah, that too. Um, he's been around. He's not young. Uh, but I, I think Felder is interesting. I saw um, Hangman. Uh, Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker Dan was Hooker. an interesting one. Uh, and then if you really want to go crazy, I mean, you could put him in there with Poirier. Well, that's, that's the point, right? So there's... To me, I'm always going to revert back to the Eddie Alvarez-Donald Cerrone matchup when Eddie Alvarez first made that yeah, switch after beating Michael Chandler. And we saw Donald pick apart Eddie, but then Eddie goes on a tear and ultimately ends up becoming the UFC champion. So when we're in a situation like this where Chandler could really slot in easily in the top 10, uh, if he's you know feeling it out and fighting a guy like Paul Felder, that's a great gauge. But if they wanted to, if they really wanted to kind of give that Donald Cerrone-Eddie Alvarez matchup, Dustin Poirier is kind of the guy to do it with. The good thing there um, is, in, in like a wrestling terminology, a pro wrestling terminology, there's a good opportunity for each of them to steal each other's heat. Right. And it's like, because they're, they're, you, if you're the UFC, you're looking at two guys that are on 
the upswing. And if you come out of this fight, whoever wins that, now all of a sudden is a star-making performance. And I I guess I say star-making performance, but within the MMA bubble, right. it's a star-making performance. Right. I'm not telling you... They've got a long way be, to go before they're yeah, mainstream. They're not, they're not Jorge Masvidal, right? right? Like This isn't their next step up into, like, you know, God level. Like, this is, like you're going to get a guaranteed amount of MMA fans that are always going to come out and see you if you are able to beat Dustin Poirier and you're Michael Chandler coming in uh, from a different organization or if you're Poirier and you can beat a guy like Chandler, like he's the hottest prospect outside of the UFC. That everyone ranks very highly. Exactly. So you have him come in and you're just able to, you know, dominate him. Like that would say a lot. And if you're Michael Chandler, that gives you the perfect blueprint so to speak to navigate what seems to be a a tough 155 division right he's you know you beat a guy like dustin poirier who just recently fought for the title that puts you on your way to to be able to fight the who's who at 155 yeah yeah and so let's transition let's jump into this weekend's event ufc 252 uh, and let's highlight that top three main event and co-main event Uh, let's start off with junior dos santos versus yair rosenstrike I feel like I could say that guy's yeah, name five it's, different times. It, you said his first name wrong. Yair? Yair? It's, it's Jarzinho. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Yeah. And I, I don't blame you. I don't think anybody's mad at you. I was trying to give him a nickname. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a He's bit much. He's not like Yair Rodriguez in any way, shape, or form. No. So a bit of background on Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Coming off a, a, a pretty tough loss against Francis Ngannou. Some wild haymakers thrown, and he ends up on the wrong side of it. But before that, he's riding a pretty strong wave to the title, uh, coming off of wins against guys like Andre Arlovsky, Junior Dos Santos, who he's uh, not Junior Dos Santos. Eek, bear with me. Let's look up who he fought recently. Yeah, I, I think it's not even necessarily important. I, I think what with him, he was a top tier striker, looked great. He beat Overeem, wasn't it? Overeem, uh, that's who I'm thinking. Overeem. There we go. Uh, in the fifth round in a fight that I believe he was losing. He was losing. He was uh, losing it right up until the last minute. And that's the yeah. fight where he splits Alistair Overeem's face open. It's gruesome. Disgusting. Pretty bad. Uh, looked like the ocean. Yeah, so he, big he, old pool I wanted to he, he comes off of those strong wins. He's riding it against Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou shows him absolutely no respect. Runs in, pushes him up against the fence, and absolutely destroys him. The real problem there isn't that you got destroyed by JDS. I mean, no, fucking, we're just both. We're both. JDS. Both. We're, JDS. we're pimping him out right he's, now. He he, he's in the um, thought process. So it's not that he lost to Nganu. It's the way he just ran backwards. Like, you're a good striker, and maybe it's just how scary that guy is, but you just, like, I mean, if, sprint if, it back. If he's coming at you. And you don't have much space to go. Your first instinct's going to be to go back. And he actually threw a couple of counter strikes. They weren't good ones, but he threw some counter strikes, and he just yeah. ended up on the wrong side. Yeah, he just never of that, moved off of that line. That Francis right hand. Yeah. Uh, but let's move over to his opponent. So he's fighting JDS, who we've been just throwing under the bus recently, but kind of with good reason. JDS has had, uh, you know, a tough string of fights. He, you know, he came off of wins against uh, Tai Tuivasa. Uh, he also beat, if I'm not mistaken, he just came off of a win. He was beating Tai Tuivasa. He beat Derek Lewis, and then he got TKO'd by both Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades. Uh, so coming off of two losses, they have a, a a common recent opponent. We didn't really get to see anything much in that Francis fight for Jarzinho, but with JDS, we saw a tad bit more before he got knocked out. Mm-hmm. How do you see this fight going? I really still enjoy watching JDS fight. Like, as you're listing off those, and, like, I I was kind of thinking about them as I was hearing, I'm like, when I envision this fight, I think you're going to get a really technical heavyweight stand-up fight here where they're not necessarily... I'm not going to tell you you're going to get a ton of volume. It's not that kind of fight you're going to get. I think what you're going to get is two guys that are looking to land the big punch, right? And JDS... You see, like, these fights, he beats a guy like Derek Lewis, who is top tier, right? So you list off all those people, and it's like he's on a, a downward spiral. I don't know if I, like, it's really hard to say that. He, he went three-fight win streak, two-fight losing streak. And the guys that he beat during that three-fight win streak were all hot. Tai Tuivasa was on the come-up, and that's yeah. why they pit him against JDS. He's trying to uh, big up his To build name. up his name, yeah. and, and he he derailed that hype train. Yeah, so I, I, lo- I kind of look, and I'm like... JDS, I think you get the same fight every time out there. I think you're kind of going to see him 
slow and steady wins the race. Let me put together some one, one, two, and one, two punch combinations. And we're going to build up. And maybe I land some stuff, but he'll control and win a decision if he wins it. The thing I'd always be scared about when we talk about the losing side of these fights is you've got, you've lost in like a devastating knockout in fights that you're capable of winning. Your skill set is still good enough at the weight class that you're in. And we've seen it heavyweight that you can go all the way into your 40s. And let's say hands down, JDS boxing wise, at least in my opinion, probably has the best hands. Uh, say in the heavyweight division, I'd even go as far as to say the light heavyweight division because his boxing is top tier. Yeah, he's he's one of them. Yeah, like I'm at heavyweight, I struggle to think of somebody who actually has better boxing skills specifically than he does. Like, yeah, it's got it's probably him. I like, and that's where to my point. I I just think he is just a, a proponent of wear and tear, and it's always going to come back to those JD. I mean, the uh, Cain Velasquez fights that trilogy Brutal. was so hard on that man. He he just got altered pummeled. altered his career. We yeah. we can say it like that. It altered his yeah. career. Two back to back beatings where, you know, thrown thrown in dude, the towel should have been an option. We've been talking about this guy being on the way out the door, and like on the backside yes. of his chin and stuff right. like that since those fights. I, I have no idea how long ago long ago those fights were. I'd say they were probably seven years ago, maybe give or take. Yeah, like the that, 2013, That's kind of crazy to. To think that we've been writing this man off for this long. And that's where I, I'm probably going to pick him in this one. Uh, I think that experience trumps uh, Rosenstrike's, like, you know. I, to me, Rosenstrike has to land that that big shot. Yeah. I, I think he has to land that big shot. He has to, you know, he's shown that he can do it late. So, you know, with Overeem, he was able to do it in that very last second of that fifth round. With JDS, JDS has got a couple of different ways that he can win this fight. We've seen him show off, showcase leg kicks. We've seen him showcase some some heavy hands with boxing. If he can put the pressure on Rosenstrike, I see this going to a decision, but I could easily see him knocking Rosenstrike out in the third round. Uh, for Rosenstrike, I feel like it has to. It, it might have to come early for him. Yeah, I mean, you say that, but again, fifth round. He did it in the... But, you don't want to play that game. You okay, don't want to play that game with somebody who has the, the striking game with JDS. I think he did it with Overeem. And to your point, he was losing that fight. He lands, a, we don't call it a lucky shot, but he, he lands that big shot. It's going to be tough to do that against JDS, but JDS has been knocked out in the past. So could go either way. It's really tough to be like, <laughs> you, you, hit the, you, you hit the lottery and you fucking finish a guy like Overeem in the late, fifth round so you, you squeak by and you win that fight and they're they're like okay like how can we build on this like and they lock you in a fucking cage with francis, francis and ganu <laughs> hey awesome man. job yeah. here's your reward enjoy this and that's that's nothing that's not a show you want to look forward to but so i'd say we're both in the camp of jds here i fall into the line of jds i think he has more ways to win the fight uh, i'm not someone that's always going to bet on that that and I, I lost this bet with Josh Koscheck against GSP a long time ago. Those guys that are going to land those big shots, if you're betting on them, aside from Francis, you're, you're going to have a bad time. So let's move over to Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Chito Vera. And this is probably, I think, my top fight of the night. I think it would be your most exciting fight of the night as well. When we look at Marlon Vera, he's coming off of a loss against uh, Jang Sudung. A fight that a lot of people think he should have won. Lost that by unanimous decision. Before that, he's on a hot streak of five straight finishes. Yeah, he's a he's a, a top-tier, aggressive fighter. Like, there's not a lot of guys that are as, like, go-forward as Cheeto Vera is. Um, his name is also, like, a delicacy. That's pretty cool. So um, it's not... Cheetos like the chip? No, I mean Cheeto is a delicacy. Like ah, so you're referring to the good old the good old snack of Cheetos, a delicacy. Really enjoy Cheetos. But he is coming in against a man who I think is probably a a hot prospect that you've been hyped on for quite some time. Two fights, two wins in 2020 after a long layoff where he missed two years uh, due to suspension. Sean O'Malley comes off of a huge walk-off win against Eddie Wineland. Got me out of my seat. The only reason I think most people aren't talking about it is because it's on the same card as Cody Garbrandt knocking off Rafael Sunsau's head. 
the, it did suffer victim to just one after another. It like, was tough. That fight, tough that, night. that night was great. Great so, night of fights. Yeah. But Sean O'Malley comes in, third fight of 2020, coming off a big win that, that kind of had his stock back on the rise or continuing to rise. Where do we go with this one, Len? Sean O'Malley to me is like the, the interesting case of youth versus age, right? Where it's like, if you take two years off and you're in your 30s and you come back, you're about to go through this potentially with GSP, one of the the goat, like, the goat, and they're still talking about like, hey, can he come back from a layoff and be competitive? And they're talking about it because he's talking about fighting Khabib like a maniac. But my point being is, when you're in your twenties, like O'Malley, it's almost a blessing in disguise that you have gotten to kind of take two years off. And you look at the way he looked. In 2018, when he was on his run of fights from the Contender Series and up, and you kind of say to yourself, like, he is potentially, like, at that point, ready for top 15, right? Right. And instead, you you get two years off to fill out the rest of you, like, physically mature and get bigger and bulkier and hone those talents. Because when you're at that age, you're just, like, able to kind of take those steps at a quicker pace. So I, I look at how he's progressed over the past two years and that Wineland fight. It's the whole thing is a masterpiece. Like, but coming down to the knockout, the knockout itself was like the the knockout was the the cherry on the top because the combinations that he landed before that, the way that he was setting up. I'm a huge fan of feints. Mm-hmm. When someone can aggressively feint and use that to uh, to a T, where they know exactly where their opponent is going to be for a strike. That's exactly what that was to the letter with Eddie Wineland. And I think to your point, Len, being young and, and taking that two, or having that two-year hiatus, when we look at Sean O'Malley, he just looks fluid. I, I don't want to do the comparisons to like a John Jones, but when it comes to throwing strikes, when it comes to being in the octagon, 28, creativity. 2018 O'Malley, stud, 2020 O'Malley, I, I can't close my eyes i i need more of them and i gotta see what's going on you know i've been giving shout outs all week to this but like dan hardy just did a breakdown of sean o'malley and cheeto vera and like if you get a chance everybody like the go, war go watch this it's, it's called the war room it's full reptile is his youtube channel but he actually shows that like finishing combination where you're talking about those feints and how he he feints an uppercut and then just comes with a straight when he gets him oh, to dip yeah. his hands. Beautiful. But what I didn't remember until I watched this breakdown is that he actually, why that happens is he had already hurt Wineland right before that. What happens body is shots. He, yeah, he actually hits him in the body and it hurts him. And that's where he's our, Wineland's already on his way out. Right. And, and none of us pick up it, how subtle it is, but I'm sure O'Malley sees it in the moment because like, you're seeing like the way they're breathing, like you're right on top. Of I feel them, like he was a, he was fully aware of everything, yeah. and I think we saw Eddie Wineland come out kind of aggressive in that fight. He he was he's a gunslinger. Yeah, he's know, he's so, always going to come yeah. throwing from the hips, and that's where to see Sean not only be poised in that moment, but be able to pick his shots and set up everything to perfection. It, it was truly incredible to watch. I didn't get a chance to catch the full clip of of Dan Hardy breaking that fight down, but just in the small bits that I did see. Man, he he's fighting on a different time zone. It just looks like it seems like he's just able to pick his shots at a different moment. Yeah, so so to kind of piggyback on that that breakdown, I think the biggest thing that I took from watching that breakdown is just that Marlon Vera is a guy that like you look forward to seeing his name on cards, right? But the thing with that is he still never fought people that are big enough. And I respect Frankie Signs, like he's a really good fighter. Don't get me wrong, but like He's a certain level. The, those are fight night fights, right? Those right. are ones that they're putting on on the Saturdays that aren't pay-per-views. And you're excited to see that fight on the card because you know you're getting action, right? Those are things that are going to beef up a prelim card. This man is now on the co-main event with one of the biggest fights of the year. And the problem here or the thing that I took was like Vera is great, but he is just like he's going to march forward the entire time. And what we've been talking about is O'Malley is just so creative that, that that's going to be a problem, I think, in this fight. And I think this is really good matchmaking. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about O'Malley's skills, but when you look at Marlon Chito Vera, he is, he, 
I don't want to use the word buzzsaw. I feel like that comes up a lot when you see guys that continue to just move forward. But he's coming forward with strikes, whether it's body strikes, leg kicks. Uh, if he needs to get in the clinch and, and do some dirty boxing and kind of put in some work there, he's not afraid to do that. But one thing's for sure, you know he's coming forward. Yeah, he and he's not coming forward with just strikes either. Like most of those fights, he, he's going after submissions like heavy the whole time. And, and that's, I think, the most interesting part of this fight is what what happens if we do go to the ground. The thing that O'Malley's going to maybe have some trouble with at some point is that length is a huge asset on the feet, but it's not it's necessarily. I, I don't know if it's a disadvantage because there are you can get leverage in certain positions. So so I'm sure from both top and bottom positions, say like triangles, maybe even like his legs may be able to get up and be able to lock in a little bit better on some people. So I'm not saying it's a complete disadvantage. Depending on where your skill set is jujitsu wise, I, it, I guess length that, differs. That 100%, but also what your opponent's style is. And the thing with Vera is he is not a, a slow cook jujitsu player. He's not a guy who's taking you down and working you for the full five minutes and like, going to ride with you and figure out where to lock in that submission. No, he's going to jump on it ferociously. Like If he gets you up against the cage, watch out. He might be throwing in a guillotine. He could be throwing a exactly. couple of different things at so you. So a guy like O'Malley who's got these long limbs, it, it kind of scares you a little bit to think like he leaves an arm out there or he leaves a neck out there. That could be a short night. We could see the first like bump in the road for Sean O'Malley's career. And I think this wouldn't be a bad place for it to happen. So if you need to eat a little bit of humble pie, it yeah, might be the right so time to do it. I think it. this might be a good guy to do it. And I think this could be a good spot to do that. Is that what I'm rooting for? No, not at all. But like there isn't a necessarily like huge drop or downfall to him losing here. Maybe he steps outside of the top 15 again for a second. Right. Uh, but the, the he's got nowhere to go but up, though. Yeah, and then this uh, well, this is what I was about to say is like he loses here, he drops out of the top fifteen, right? So he's unranked again. He has to fight maybe one guy who's unranked, and then he'll get another ranked opponent. Right. But if he wins here, you're talking about if he if he wins the way he's been winning, you're dropping him in like the top seven yeah. in the division, and that that's a scary ask. But like I, I think that's really interesting to see where he goes here for a guy with four fights. To his name in the UFC right now, probably the hottest ticket. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would also up and comer, yes, hottest up and comer. But I would also say this is probably the first time that we might be slightly nervous for him. We're, we're feeling like this could go either way. Is that is that what you're telling me? Or are you pick? Are you are you, know, are you it's s- the first time? Because like, the thing about being on runs like this, it's a lot like Connor, where you go on these runs and you're nervous every fight because you're riding with this guy, right? Yeah. So like you. We're just built into the story at this point. Like we've all we're are, tuning in. Yeah, who, whoever's big enough MMA fans, we're basically in this story because we want to like see this guy how far he can take it. Right. So I'm invested every fight in thinking it could be the fight he loses because Eddie Wineland is a savvy vet. The thing with him is you're like he's a little weathered and he's a stand up fighter. So he's getting there. They were pushing pushing him in a position to gain confidence. To have people kind of cater to his style. Sure. This is the first fight that I don't think you're catering to his style. But you have a guy who's competent enough to to go with him on the feet. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I think that we're, we, we've got quite the stand-up fight on our hands. And if it goes to the ground, it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Uh, it could be, could be over quick. Could maybe, be over quick. Maybe it's not interesting. Maybe it's just fucking over. So we go from hot prospect. You're, so you're picking... I... I I, I'm indifferent at this point. I, I, I don't think you can do that. You gotta, I know, you gotta I know. Point, I'm, so I'm copping out. So my heart is going with Sean O'Malley. To your point, I'm riding this wave probably harder, if not just as hard as the Conor McGregor train that I that we were both on. We're going to look back uh, at this run potentially, and you're going to ask yourself. Yeah, for me, I'm excited. I, I think my heart says Sean O'Malley. I, I have to ride this train with him. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting fight. So we're uh, two, we're we're JDS and Sean O'Malley stands so far. Let's see if we match up on the. Uh, I, I have a good feeling that we're going to defer on this one. So we ooh. go from we go from hot prospect to a trilogy fight that is going to make or break some careers here. We've got DC versus Stipe Miocic for the third time. The rubber match. Both of these guys coming off of knockout wins over each other. 
having a little bit of confidence to know, maybe Stipe a little bit more so because he was able to weather that Daniel Cormier storm and pull out a win very late. This is going to be interesting, Len. Who who do you got and where do you see this going? There is a lot to unpack with this fight. Now, I'm pretty amped up to see it. This has been... Man, I there was the... Ariel Hawani posted a video or a picture like three weeks ago now. And it was when they announced Khabib versus Gaethje. And it was, who, who are you looking forward to most? And it was DC, Stipe, uh, Adesanya, Costa, or... Um, Khabib versus Gaethje. Khabib versus Gaethje, yeah. Uh, and I and I sat there and looked at all three of them, and I'm like, dude, like I can't really tell because this one is like, I, I again, like, pro wrestling guy, right? So give me storylines, and like that's where I love MMA because it corrects the wrongs for me that like being an adult wrestling fan give you, right? <laughs> like because I get to see real consequences, I see real winners in like losers and that matters because when guys are winning you like want to see them keep winning and you fall in love with them a little bit and like dc is a guy who i think has had a really up and down career well in terms of like him being yeah. uh accepted by people not talent like like wins and losses this guy is untouchable yes there's one yes. guy who touches him two guys sorry steve there's two guys that touch him i don't think dc wants two guys touching him yeah. uh let's unpack that so dc has fought the who's who down the line, whether it's strike force, UFC, heavyweight, light heavyweight. To your point, there's really only one, maybe two guys that's had his name or his number this entire time. When we look at his last five fights, he came off of wins against Vulcan Ozdemir. He had that no contents, non, no contest against John Jones. He jumps up to heavyweight. He fights Stipe. He knocks out Stipe, takes the title at heavyweight, goes on to beat Derek Lewis. And then he has that second fight against Stipe where it looks like he's on his way to another win and Stipe pulls it out. And that's when you're talking about when DC not only having the resume, but ha- he probably one of the most cerebral fighters, I think, on the, on the UFC roster. But you look at who's had his number and you look at how it's happened. What are you most concerned about for DC in this fight? The concern's going to be the body shots. It, it's going to come back to that. It's that... Stipe figured something out, right? Like, the, like he, in that fight, finally found a chink in the armor. And he, that was a really tough moment for him. Like, watching that fight back, he is getting his ass whooped yeah. for, for two to three rounds. He is getting his ass whooped. And he just, like, he's getting lifted up, like, in a, a th- you know, near 300-pound man. Yeah. Like, 240. I'm probably over saying it there a little bit but like 240 i'm sure if he's tired it feels like 300 big ass dude right he gets picked up and carried across the the octagon and dropped on his head a way that only dc does oh there's a specific way that dc does that shit you want to name him you want to dan henderson yeah like (laughs) uh he probably did it to uh he did it to john jones josh Josh barnett yeah josh but that one's the craziest (laughs) one he olympic slammed his ass uh, there's only been two Olympic slams in MMA, I think, and it's like Andrade and uh, in DC. DC. Yeah. Um, so, th- like, there's just that. That was a very dominant performance. But the thing that concerns me, and when you say what would worry me, is DC fights the same way every fight, right? He reaches for a collar. He is always looking to when you're in close to grab a hold, which means he fights with a high guard, and he's always reaching up here because he's reaching up to people. Yeah. So he's. Like once Stipe figured out that like oh you're like you you're this is the mistake you have a great trunk right so like boxing you <laughs> whoa <laughs> whoa <laughs> pause pause um, so he but he, his trunk movement is great right, right. so like boxing wise you, you talk about great boxing at heavyweight DC might DC's be up there in the conversation because his ability to sway and go with punches so people throw bombs at this dude and he just oh he rolls with it, it. he rolls with he it rolls every with time it. so. But that has resulted in his hands are here or his hands are here. And Stipe, those weren't just body shots. Like those were pristine. And let's not disrespect shots. Stipe here. Golden Gloves winner. But, but when it comes to boxing, Stipe has got the boxing down as well. I yes. don't I don't I don't want to yeah. discount Stipe's yeah. boxing He's by longer any means. too. Don't don't like, want to disrespect. There's a reason why he got into that war with JDS and it was a great fight. But yeah. uh to to your point, it when you start ripping at the body like he was able to it exposed something in DC and DC not only wasn't able to to call an audible, but to your point, he's always fighting with that specific style that has worked against guys like 
Rumble Johnson, you know, where he's able to wear on you, yeah. take take the punches, but I'm going to mm-hmm. push you up against the cage and I'm going to get on top of you and you're not going to like it. With Stipe, once he wasn't able to do that, it, it was it was all she wrote pretty much. Yeah, so I mean, we talk about concerns though for DC. Like, there are concerns for Stipe here, Absolutely. and I think there's, for me, in my opinion of this fight, far more concerns for Stipe because now you've fought for rough estimate twenty five ish minutes, maybe Give a take. little bit more, right? Give or take. Um, so second DC, round knockout in that first one. Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, end of first. End of end first. first. Um, so DC has controlled a majority of. Your fights now, your fight, not, you know, both fights, but you, the fighting time that you've had, you've lost a majority of them. And you've not only lost, but you've lost the stand up aspect for a while. Oh, yeah. To the point where you got finished handily in the first one pretty dominantly. But you've also been lifted up above a man's head and dropped on your ass. From a wrestling standpoint, probably the ultimate show of disrespect. Yeah. Like you just held a grown man like above you like a sack of potatoes. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not cool. Let me set, let me so, set you down and, over and here. Like I'm in a like very good position to tell you because I'm heavier than Steve Amiocic that I don't want any grown man carrying me above their fucking shoulders. It's <laughs> and then dropping chance. you on your neck. Yeah. Like it yeah, doesn't yeah, get any better that. once you're once you're coming down back to gravity. Yeah. So you, like I, I just there's a that's concern. All of that oh, yeah. is concerned. Because DC, his gas tank's gonna be there unless he implements those body shots. But in those body shots have to come from punching, you'd assume, because if he throws kicks, he's done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think when we're getting into like maybe our analysis of this fight, I have to assume the small cage, and we haven't talked about that enough because I think the small, small cage, cage thing is actually when we talk about the JDS uh, Rosenstrike fight, and something that plays into the action that'll happen in that fight too, and could play in Rosenstrike's favor as well, but in a stand-up matter. But this, you're, you're talking Cormier. Just uh, he was talking to Askren yesterday. I don't know if you saw this clip. Didn't. It was really good. Like they're talking, and they've known each other since the Olympic days. Right. So they're talking. He's like, "Hey, you know, you talk. You, I went and trained with you guys once, and I was uh, striking with at the time. I forget who he said he was striking with, but a good striker nonetheless." And he's like, "I'm shot." I'm striking with him and DC comes by and he's like, Hey buddy, just, just wrestle it, just wrestle it. <laughs> and he's like, no, but like we're in practice. Like I should work on my like skills that I'm not good at. Right. And he's just like, dude, this is a bad idea. Like just, just, just wrestle. wrestle. So he's like, DC, I've never given you uh, any advice before, but if I'm going to give you some advice today, buddy, don't forget that you're an Olympic wrestler and you can take this dude down whenever you want to. So just go out and wrestle. And he's just like, no, I promise you, Ben. I'm going out so, there to so DC said something along the lines of bring your wrestling shoes. Yeah, he exactly said it. what he said. Yeah, yeah, and I, and like and that's when like I love that. It, I think it's in Stipe's head a little bit too. I, I, think, I think it has to play. It. it has to play in the back of his mind somehow. It Stipe, has to be there. Stipe, can we also talk about like Stipe looks like he might be like a the forty year old soccer dad. Like, have you seen the like glasses and all that stuff? And we, I think he has an eye problem. So that, that's, that's fine. We can know, we but. can knock Stipe for the way he looks, but are we gonna just gloss over the fact that DC sounded like a twelve year old in puberty in his interviews over the weekend? Uh, I don't know if he's wearing a retainer. He's got braces or whatever. He's just going through a weight cut, dude. Sure, I, I guess that plays had, a part, man. Sure. I listen, man. He we can discuss the concerns about you know Stipe not being able to speak a full sentence. For me, DC, in his interviews, he looked tired. He, he looked like he was falling asleep in half of those interviews. And he admittedly says, it's been a tough camp. We've, we've gone through as much as we possibly can. And we really feel like it's all going to come to fruition and be a culmination in the end. I think he's going to rise to the occasion. But there is some history in his life of big fights or big moments, the Olympics. He maybe psychs himself out a little bit and like yeah maybe that's a realistic concern to also add to the old docket you know what happens and this is my concern and this is why i think i'm leaning on the steep a side 100 percent agree with your concerns yeah we're, we're gonna be a little you, bit you, different you on this, this one coming steep a for me i think not only did something click for him but i think it started to, I, I feel like in that first fight, even in the second fight, he just didn't know how he was going to beat DC. I think he was in his own head. I think there's a lot of talk of if DC wants the fight to go to the ground, the fight's going to go to the ground. 
I think about if Stipe can somehow shake off two takedowns, maybe he's able to get up against the cage and regain position. I think if he can do one or two things to knock DC's mental game off, exactly what you're saying plays a big part. And I think him saying that this is going to be his last fight, him saying that they've put everything into this, to me it just builds up that this is another one of those big moments that DC might not be able to live up to. And hopefully he does come in and wrestles because I think that that plays to his game plan. But if that's his thought, hey, when things go wrong, I'm going to take him down and I'm going to win this fight on the ground. It's not going to take much to knock him off his game. If Stipe throws an uppercut, he starts hitting him with some body shots. That takedown looks a lot less inviting. And you run into a similar instance of what you had in the second fight. Now, chances of that happening, I think all the odds are in DC's favor. There's just some some cards that I think that are stacked up against them in this one. I love that you've picked against me on this because I think you're incorrect. Okay. I don't want to say so wrong. Okay. Like, this is a I'll game respect of, it. As Al Pacino would say, this is a game of inches, right? Uh, so MMA, it, it can go either way. Sure. And I, I think you're very correct that there could be moments that Stipe can win this, but I cannot foresee a way that DC allows himself to be put in those positions again. The body shots thing, like I said, I've already said it. You've said that it. Yeah, that's, the, your, that's your argument. That's the thing that is going to be a problem because that that is something he's done his whole career. So you can't just go into a fight and change that. Yep. So that's a big obstacle. But everything else tells me they aren't in the same ballpark. Like, I cannot see Stipe. Like, Stipe come, rises to the occasion, too. I respect that, dude. Like, I loved the Verdum fight. The man runs into fire. Yeah, like, I, that's, that's I, I in, just want to point that in, out. In his fighting career and in real life. Legit. You are, you are right, yes. Uh, but I just can't ride with you on this one, man. I I love the storyline. And this is where, I, like, sometimes you got to pick with your heart, too. Uh, Stipe, I mean, D- DC has got to win this. He, he, I think he will. I think he goes out on a high note. And I think we, we should in a moment talk about is he going out. But to, to cap where I'm at on this, DC, ride or die, fuck Stipe. Can't believe you're riding with that dude. You might be a traitor. The show might already be over. So I need to go on record and say if there are any recordings of any conversations with me talking about DC, I've been the biggest DC hater for years. Yeah, dude. Maybe, for years. Now I can see it right now. However, maybe being, I, I res- maybe this is bias comment. How do you say? How do you say it? I respect his gangster, right? I hundred percent gangster. No, 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 no. no. I, I respect his gangster because I feel like that's the way that he would bald. say it. He might wear like um, if you ever if anybody ever saw Chavo Guerrero when he played a white person in the in, in, in wrestling, you could just put that <laughs> outfit on DC. Kerwin <laughs> White, look at. We're, if we're comparing DC to Chavo Guerrero, we've we've hit a major. Just lapse. look up Kerwin White, everybody. Listen, and then I've put never that outfit on DC. I've never been a DC fan. I'll be the first one to say it. I've always been the person that goes against them. I respect them. He he has beaten the who's who. He broke my heart twice with Rumble Johnson. Completely broke that man spiritually, mentally, made him go sell weed. Unbelievable in what he's been able to do and what his resume is. I don't have to like him. I don't have to like him. I don't like him. Stipe is about as American as it gets because he fights fires, he fights people, and he fights his speech impediment because of CTE. I'm fighting with Stipe on this one. I will also go out on a limb, say, fuck DC, go Stipe, and we'll see what happens. I I genuinely think that to to talk about DC going out and, and possibly it being his last fight He's framed it as if it will be his last fight. I'm going based off on what this man is telling me. Do you see it going a different way? Did you see uh, what Javier Mendez said, though? I saw snippets of what he said. He, but I, mean, I, I, didn't, only, I didn't look into the conversation. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. I just read headlines. I do a lot I, more I read reading. Com- no, I read a lot of headlines. I just scroll through and I just find headlines. Clickbait. Like, that must be real. Uh, <laughs> so apparently via this headline, he told probably Ariel or Brad Okamoto, one of the two, Credit to them. It's one or the two. Yeah. Um, he told them, like, I could see the UFC throwing a ton of money at him to fight John Jones a third time. And that being enough to get DC to put it off. And I have to agree. I, I, to, I do agree. But hold on real quick. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> Javier Mendez is also keep, keep saying that Connor 
is Khabib's biggest competition. So I might just think that this guy makes a check off of if his guys fight really popular people. Uh, it's called it's called ten percent. Yeah, it's called ten percent. Might be influencing his decision making, but I do see a world like a timeline out there where Cormier beats Stipe, and a few months go by, and John Jones maybe lays out a comment on Instagram or something like that, saying like, "Congrats, DC, but you're still my bitch." Uh, we know that's coming. That's like a we know that's, that's coming. John Jones to a T, dude. Like, congrats. Steve, congrats, DC, but you're still my bitch. Still that's, my bitch. might be a quote he's already said. We could uh, probably find it on yeah, Twitter. If I Googled that, that's probably a thing already. Uh, but that's going to happen. And we're going to end up in a position where DC is going to see like 800 to a million buys. Like, okay, I, I don't have the numbers off the top of my the, head. The money's going to be there. So I, I don't mean to cut off your yeah. point. But the money's going to be there. The, the, the opponent is there. The storyline is there. Everything is there for him to do it. From a fight fan perspective, do I want to watch DC get mopped for a third time? Sure. Does it make sense for him to do it, though? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And it's your pride. I, I think it does. It, I think it makes sense to me to do it because, like, it doesn't tarnish your legacy to me to lose to Jones a third time, but to beat him on the third time personal pride bro that can go a long way so i i I would i think he he ends up you dangle that carrot in front of a man who's like he's coming up maybe if this goes well if he finishes in the first or second round and comes out feeling great then we're we're having a different conversation yeah like if this is a five round war he's calling it i think if this ends up being like this like barn burner of a fight that comes down to the wire call it on this because i think you go out on your highs sure uh, but if this is a dominant, just knockout again, he's coming back because like that's such a high. Yeah, that where you, you, that, there's like, not you, you didn't get the payoff. Double down? No, yeah. you just double down. Like you just like okay, I'm coming off this camp. Pay John, bring that motherfucker out. Pay John, bring. Yeah. Well, you could almost even say that he in his head, and he said it on on in multiple interviews this past weekend that he felt like he won, like he was winning that that second fight. So so to him he. He's already got Stipe in the bag. If he's looking at it that way, yeah. and there, it is a, if it happens exactly like that first fight does, where he finishes in it within a round, I don't disagree with you. I think I think we see him come back. But f- I just man, personal if personal pride is a thing, and you got head kicked in the second one, you're you're luckily enough that that on your record shows up as a no contest. You you win a title yeah, after that. He knows that. their losses. He knows those are losses. He, I don't think he has any problems. I I, think, I I get the vibe that from him. He's pretty comfortable with where he's at. I, the obstacle here, it, it is DC, but the other obstacle, it's not John Jones. It's the UFC. Right. And I see this to to Javier Mendez's point being the thing that is enough to get the UFC to come off of that position of not paying John Jones because you're gonna make back your money right now. In pay-per-view buys. I, I was going to quickly say, and I, I don't have the numbers on this, but like ESPN plus its subscription numbers right now are insane. Really? Like by comparison to say like WWE Network, they're like even very, if you were very to, good. Even if you were to compare uh, it to last year. They're raising their prices right now, by the way. They're going up a dollar, which yeah. is not a big deal. And they're keeping the price the same for a, a, an annual fee. So they're basically just saying pay for the, the yearly yeah. and just get it over with because yeah. they want to see retention, which is smart. Uh, but... If you put John Jones on ESPN Plus right now, in that audience, there is 2 million people who are signed up for that streaming service. You're going to get a million of them, if not almost the full 2 mil, because of product loyalty and where the UFC is right now. Because like everybody who shitted on that buyout for the $4 billion, blah, 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 oh, yeah. right now it's starting to look a little funny because like now you have big money coming in. They're only going to get more money from ESPN. Once this current deal's up, they're only getting more money as long as they stay on the track they're on now because they are winning every weekend in ratings. They're destroying it and they're winning the min- the money demographics. So they're winning like the 18 to 40 yep. like bracket. Yep. Like that's huge. Yep. Everybody's looking for something to watch right now and the UFC yep. has continued to put on quality content. That's where, where and I, I was talking to Steve, shout out Hey Archer. Shout uh, out Archer. 
when we when I was on his show last and I and I was saying has Dana White maybe changed turned babyface a little bit and that just means turned good guy and it's that he has stuck to this we're gonna put on cards no matter what and he's put a ton of money into things yeah. buying buying out the island and like getting those tests and blah 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 but it's you make investments because it's gonna pay out big on the other oh, side yeah. in this stretch of five months for for anybody he's quarantine mvp because he's come out oh, of this yeah. looking like a million bucks and that's because that guy's a gambler you know like well he um, he knows he knows the business i mean he he was into boxing management way back in the day so he knows what it takes to get things done and he now has that fuck you money where he's flying guys in yeah doing whatever you're backing from espn and these other big finances we're, we're gonna do everything that you, that you need us to do to make it happen just make it happen and he has not missed a beat so Awful lot to look forward to this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a big weekend, man. Maybe top three UFC weekends of the year for me. Yeah, I, I think, man, it's we've only got one title fight on this. That doesn't happen very often yeah. these days. Wow. Either. And to say that it's going to probably be a pay per view success. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You've you've got a hot prospect, a big trilogy fight. You also I, have real quick. John Dodson looks like George Washington. Look that up. Yeah, uh, John Dodson. Shout out to your barber. I don't know if he's uh, got a time machine from seventeen seventy six. No, I think he had an American Revolution picture on the wall, and when John Dodson walked in, it was like you know how they have the numbers, and it's like ah. men's regular, blah blah blah. He thought that was a picture that you pick, and he pointed and at George pointed. Washington. And was like, no, I want that, that one. Is hit, hit me that with that. One. Yeah, that's that's lit. He said that. That's lit. Ah. And they, they trimmed him up. Hair doesn't get any better than that. So John Dodson, MVP. Shout out looking like George Washington. Hashtag John Adams. Yeah, so I, I'd say it's a good place to wrap it, man. I, I'm super excited for this weekend. Uh, can't wait to see what happens. We'll probably come back with another video next week, kind of recapping where we're at. I don't know if there's a fight next weekend with the UFC. I'm sure there is. If there's not, fights there's going some on other stuff we can talk about. Uh, so yeah, keep a lookout uh, for for everything coming down the pipeline. We have some other shows that we're working on, guys. Uh, but I think from there, probably wrap it. Yeah, we're also throwing out our first poll, right? Uh, Rachel Ostovich or Valerie Lareda? Okay. Um, look forward to that yeah, we'll see you guys yet. soon yeah all right so uh we're out later